Hello, everyone. It's the Ask Mr. DNS podcast, episode number 40. I'm Cricket Lou here with my podcasting partner. Matt Larson. Hi, everybody. So, shall we 40 say... 40 episodes. Sh- it's only taken us... When was the first one of these? Do you even remember? Lord, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go back and look. Okay, do. I'll, uh, I'll grab uh, some paper to rustle as... No, no, you're grabbing the mailbag. The mailbag, yes. December, December 2008. We've been doing this for almost seven years. Wow. How is that possible? <laughs> that also says something about the pace <laughs> at which we've been doing them, right? <laughs> well, each time we say we're not going to talk about that, and then we talk about it. Yes, yes. Well, we, we, we really do our best. Um, no, no, we do not. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, but it is a G job, as they used to say at HP, right? It is. That G is short for government, right? Yeah, yeah. It was never, so, never exactly plain to me why, uh, why a government job was, you know, one that you sort of got to when you, when you could. It, it, does that have something, is that a comment on the um, work ethic of government employees? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They used it as, as synonymous for sideline, more or less, at HP, right. didn't they? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I remember making some remark about, uh, oh, don't ever start a story unless you're sure you can remember it. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I accidentally made made a remark about um, sort of poking fun at the at, at government workers and then realized I was doing it in front of my church choir that was filled with Civil servants. Oh no! So, <laughs> know your audience. You know your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll come to me uh, before the end of the podcast, and then I can go back and explain the joke, which is always very hilarious. Yes. Yes. No- of course. Nothing like explaining the joke to make it that much better. After after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything in the mailbag? Yes, actually, there. There are, it's, it's, you know, oddly enough, this is my mailbag. This is, these are the envelopes from the mail that I got today at home. <laughs> One of which is a, a, to, a toll from the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Um, the other of which is a, a bill from some utility. But yes, we do. We have a, we have a question, um, which is very exciting, isn't it? It is. And this comes from one of our uh, long-time, long-suffering listeners, Grant Taylor. And he asks uh, if we should sort DNS reply types at the server like we can IPs. Um, and then he refers to a, uh, a posting to an IETF mailing list, um, which looks like it's the v6ops mailing list, which is um, an announcement from one of the people at Apple of the behavior of the DNS resolver, and actually more than just the DNS resolver, um, uh, in iOS 9 and macOS 10 El Capitan. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and, yeah, and, this, and this post is, is referring to uh, happy eyeballs, which is this technique where uh, you, you want to try to figure out whether you have v4 or v6 or both, and how can you make a connection, you know, in the con- this isn't happy eyeballs in the context of a user's happy eyeball. So like this is an interactive session, you know, presumably a web browser. And how can you 
make the connection in such a way that you get the fastest one. Uh, so there's like a parallel component to happy eyeballs. You wouldn't want to do it serially and have one time out. That what you could probably give a better uh, explanation of happy eyeballs than that. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but but certainly in the in the old days when we were thinking, oh well, IPv6 will just come along and replace IPv4. Um, the way that most resolvers worked was simply to look up uh, quad A records first, and if there was a quad A record returned, to try to connect to that IPv6 address. And then if for whatever reason that didn't work, then to look up A records, and if one or more was returned, to try to connect to the associated IPv4 addresses, which was a pretty simple-minded approach, um, but one that for the most part, for the most part, worked. You know, the idea being if you're making a transition to IPv6, the new internet protocol, you'd want to favor it if IPv6 addresses were available for a given domain name. Um, but that leads to, to some uh, less, than, less than ideal behavior. For example, um, it, if you're connecting to a domain name that doesn't own any IPv6 addresses at all, you still have to try to look up the, the uh, IPv6 addresses, and that takes a little bit of time. Um, in a badly designed name resolution environment, it could take a little while. And then you end up looking up the uh, IPv4 address and trying to connect there. So the, the essential idea behind happy eyeballs is simply that you race the two protocols. You race the resolution and usually the connection to any returned addresses. Um, so you can imagine, for example, in a web browser, somebody typing in www.infoblocks.com or something like that. And in parallel, as you say, you look up both quad A records and A records for www.infoblocks.com. And if you get an A record, for example, you immediately have the web browser try to connect to that IPv4 address. And if you get a, a quad A record, you immediately have the browser try to connect to that IPv6 address. And whichever connection completes first is the one that wins. And you just go off and reset the other connection and don't use it. You use the one that, con that connected first. Right. So you could look at this as... Uh, a little bit wasteful, although it's not like we're expending a finite resource here. It's more more packets, but you know you're you're, you're making you're presuming that v4 and v6 are both available. You are opening a connection that you could have used, but that you choose not to because it's not the faster one. That's right. That's right. And and you're also doing two DNS queries, and you might have been able to get away with doing one. Yeah, and I think that goes to uh, to Grant's question because he's referring to sorting yeah his actual text here is I wonder if we should sort DNS reply types at the server like we can IPs so you know when he says server IP sorting I think he's talking about how uh, does he mean round robin or I, I know oh geez I can't even remember the rules but bind will sort the actual response yeah the, old, yeah the old sort list mechanism right, within bind right. Yeah, the rarely used, little understood sort list <laughs> mechanism. Not, right. Not to be confused with search list. Yeah, or topology, which has a syntax that's similar, I think. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> but I, you know, the answer is you really can't sort reply types in the sense of, you know, the, let's say you're getting a, you do a, an address, an A query, and you get back a response with multiple A records in the address section those can be sorted because there are multiple records, but you can only ask for a given type in a DNS query. And so in the answer section, you're only gonna get the records, well, 
this is not strictly true all the time, but you're only going to get the answers. You're only going to get the records for that type. So mm -hmm. there is no way. One of the reasons there's two DNS query sets is there is no way uh, to send a meta query that says, uh, I'm interested in both A and quad A. You exactly. have to ask for, for each one. That's right. You have to ask explicitly, independently, which is why you have to run those two uh, queries in parallel. Yeah. And every now and then someone uh, brings up the idea of uh, some kind of a meta query to be able to ask for, for both of them. Uh, and that, that gets tricky for several reasons. Uh, one of them is, is caching, right, in that uh, you, depending on, like think, think of it in the context of any. Um, and any query is a meta query that says, you know, give me whatever you have. Mm -hmm. So you get, let's say that there is a domain name that does have both A and quad A records. And when you ask a recursive server, you're going to get a non-deterministic answer because you don't know who's come before you. If they've asked for the A records, you'll get only the A back. If they've asked for the quad A, but not A, you'll get only the quad A. And if they happen to ask for both and they're both in the cache, then you'll get both. Yeah. So, so a, a query, some kind of a meta query for A and quad A would, would be complicated in that what do you do when, if you are the recursive server and you get that, th there's no way to prove the negative, right? You don't know if you don't have the A or the quad A that they don't exist. So you kind of have to always always check for them, and you'd have to remember that you checked for them, and it would get it would get pretty complicated pretty fast. Yeah, and there's not even a guarantee that the RR set containing the A records and the RR set containing the quad A records have the same TTL. That's true. So even if they were initially added to a recursive name server's cache by one of these meta queries, once one RR set might time out before the other one. Yeah, it would. I mean, you certainly could do it at the expense of more queries upstream from the recursive to authoritative. I mean, it would have to be keeping some kind of state and uh, very often requerying sort of like, is there an A yet? Is there an A? I wonder, can you even... Can you even cache at, I guess you could set some sort of a negative, like, like okay, let's say this query existed. Mm -hmm. What would the recursive service logic be like? Uh, if, if you get the query and you don't have either, either A or quad A, you'd have to query for the one or both that you're missing. And if you, if you get um, a negative answer, I guess you could remember it mm -hmm. for a certain period of time, right? And go, well, okay. I'm not, just like, I guess, regular negative caching, right? Right. You could do it that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is, uh, you know, in, in some name servers, including, I think, in Bind now, there is the ability to look up stuff that uh, would otherwise have been ejected from the cache to preemptively say, oh, the TTL is winding down, and, and I better, you know, refresh this in, in the cache, which is overloading the, the word refresh, which already has established semantics in DNS, but... What, what are you going to do? Um, so you could do something like that and just say, oh, you know, I've got these uh, as a result of a meta query. I'm going to tag them and just, I don't know, continually refresh them or uh, I don't know. It's ugly regardless, it, I think. It, it is. All right. So uh, that might not be <laughs> the question he asked and the answer he wanted, yeah. but it is. Well, that's the answer we gave. That's right. Uh, so. So we have, uh, we have another question, uh, which is actually from uh, one of my uh, colleagues at, at Dyne. It was uh, Joe Abley was the guy looking into it. It was actually one of the guys on our, uh, uh, one of our 
uh, support engineers uh, came across this as we were provisioning a new customer, and it was bind behavior that um, uh, we couldn't quite reconcile with sort of the letter of the, of the specification. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was um, we had configured a bind 9 server to be a slave to one of our customers, so we were going to download a zone from the customer's hidden primary and then distribute it to our, uh, to our servers and be a secondary. So this was like our distribution server that was querying. And uh, when, when, we, when the server queried, uh, the customer hadn't yet provisioned the zone, so it got a not off uh, response. Mm -hmm. And it was actually, um, no, I beg your pardon, I'm remembering wrong. It was, uh, it was a TSIG issue. Right. It was a TSIG issue. Not off as in, yeah, not authorized, not, uh, so it was, it was a TSIG error. And so then the question is, when do you expect, if the, uh, if the attempt fails, when do, you, when do you expect it to, to go on? Now, there are a couple ways to look at this, right? Is it a, um, it could either wait the retry interval because we've had an error, and so we need to retry more often, uh, or you could, you could wait the refresh interval. You can go, oh, well, missed it this time. I'll try again at the next regularly scheduled time. Right, but the idea, anyway, the way that we've, uh, you and I have always described the difference between refresh and retry is that refresh is the interval at which y your secondary name servers check the serial numbers on their master server when things are going well, and then if there is an error, then they'll ratchet down, usually down, uh, because most people configure retry to be a fraction of, of uh, refresh. They ratchet down to retry and then try more frequently until they successfully either determine that they're up to date or determine that they're not and get his own transfer, right? Well, or expire the zone. Or expire the zone, yeah, the, yeah. Other, the other possibility. Yeah, so the, so the question is, which, which is this? Is it, is, it like, is it like an error that would induce the retry behavior, or is it like uh, more akin to some, some sort of successful uh, outcome, and then it's the, the refresh interval? But what we found was uh, it, it wasn't happening at a, at a fixed interval. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, and, and 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 Joe had the the foresight to send his message to Mark Andrews, who is certainly someone who would know. Um, for those of you who don't know the name, Mark has been working uh, for the Internet Systems Consortium on the Bind Name Server for a very long time, and is one of the resident experts, probably a man who knows more about Bind's internals than just about anyone. And uh, Mark's response was that. Um, after that, refresh time is set to now plus a random value between three quarters of the retry time and the retry time at the start of the refresh pr process. That's like the normal behavior. Well, well, no, that's that's now plus part a portion of the retry. Right. Right. Um, and then he says a successful refresh from any master resets refresh time to now plus a random value between three quarters of the refresh and the full refresh. An incoming notify while this is all happening will be noted, and refresh time will be then set to now at the end of uh, at the end, triggering an immediate refresh attempt. But he says there is no explicit code to handle not off, and he notes that the random factor, adding that random factor between uh, you know three quarters of the retry and the retry, or three quarters of the refresh and the refresh, is to spread the refresh processing over time. He says, when you load 100,000 zones, you don't want the refresh tr timers all triggering at the same time, right? You don't want to try to do 100,000 zone transfers or even 100,000 refresh queries all at once. 
Yeah, which which makes a lot of sense. So, you know, a, a lesson here is don't try to set your watch by the when your secondaries check in with the uh, refresh interval. Right, right. But I th I think one of the interesting things that that uh, he said was that there is no special processing for not off. So. Um, the behavior that Joe was seeing, which was that you did not ratchet down to anything like the retry time, you kept using the refresh. Um, that's that's apparently the expected behavior, and it's not it's not what I would have guessed, and, and I think Joe didn't guess that either, right? Yeah, nor nor would I have. It seem it seems like an error, but evidently the way uh, the way I'm interpreting Mark's response, uh, backed up by the empirical data we saw, is that you just fall through after an odd auth. I, I guess as if you had done a check and the zone didn't need transferring and therefore you wait another refresh interval uh, modulo the random factor. Yeah. I'm not sure the logic behind that exactly, but it's it's in, an interesting piece of trivia. Yeah. And I wouldn't I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if other name servers didn't behave that way. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't want to know bad enough to test or go look at <laughs> code to to compile up NSD or uh... there's some some mysteries I'm willing to Willing to let go. Yes. Well, we can we can send a message to Olaf Kolkman or someone and ask them. We could ask our our Legion listeners. Mm, yes, indeed. So if you if you know <laughs> that of another name server that would behave differently in the uh, event that it received a not auth response, let us know. Or if you're bored and <laughs> want to go check it out, let us know. So it's uh, as we record this, it's uh, mid-September, mm -hmm. and last week was the uh, the big fall keynote from Apple. Yes, it did, was. Did you watch it? Um, I, I I wasn't able to watch most of it. I, I had meetings, but I, I caught little snippets of it here and there. I think the most the thing I'm most excited about is the the new version of Apple TV. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say uh, I didn't watch it live, but I went I went back and I did watch the Apple TV section. Mm -hmm. And because I kind of, you know, I, you read what you read on the recaps, but I thought, let's go back to the to the source. Mm -hmm. And it looks really slick. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, do you own an Apple TV? I, I do. I have, uh, I have two of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because I have the department here in Manchester. Uh -huh. I, had, uh, I had the first generation one. Did you own that one? The one with the hard drive in it? Uh Yes, it's a qualified yes. Um, you know, you know Brad Verd at Verisign. Yeah, sure. Brad's such a nice guy, and he liked Apple TV so much that he would wait till he would find them on eBay for real cheap, uh -huh. and he would like get one and give them to people. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So one day I walked into Brad's office, and he said, "Hey, here you go." And it's like, well, "What's this?" He says, "Just you know, here's an Apple TV." Hmm. So I, I had both the first generation and the second generation. I didn't, I didn't use it. The first generation one terribly much, and in fact, we don't use the current one terribly much. I mean, you and I were we just actually we saw each other last week, but we're recording now when we're back safely across the country from one another. <laughs> right. uh, but but last week, uh, you know, we we commented to each other how we all have all these devices that all can uh, stream various different services, some of them duplicative, right? So I think I can watch TiVo, or, or I beg your pardon, I can watch Netflix from like the TiVo. The Apple TV and my TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I've I've got a, a, a similar setup. I have a TV that has a Netflix client. I've got the next Netflix client. 
uh, in my TiVo, and I have the Netflix client in my Apple TV. But I do use the Apple TV a fair amount. One of the things I liked about the first generation Apple TV was that I could have all my music synchronized to it, so I could use it as, um, to, you know, just to play to play music through the TV or whatever audio system is connected to the TV. And then with the second generation, I couldn't do that because it doesn't have enough. Well, I, I think it just doesn't have the facility to do that. It doesn't really have any stable. Well, it does have some stable storage, but. But, but you can't just stream it if you do, uh, if you share your iTunes library out on the network, doesn't it? Yeah. Play? Yeah, you can do that. But then you have to make sure that you have a computer that's up and running at any one time. Oh, yeah. Fair uh, enough. But, but the workaround for that is to pay the folks at Apple uh, for iTunes Match. And uh, then you can then you can do that. The nice thing is that that'll work with as many Apple TVs as you have, as well as other other devices. So I do in fact pay for iTunes Match, which is twenty bucks a year or something like that. No, I, I haven't done that. I, I I dabbled with with Apple Music, but it was sort of overwhelming. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the the idea I I love the idea of being able to search across all of the various. Um, streaming providers for things. I, I have a, a regimen that I go through. I imagine that you may have something like this, too, where I decide I want to watch something, and then I go check to make sure I can't get it for free before exactly. paying for yeah. it. Because I always feel like an idiot uh, if, I, if I buy something, and then I realize later on that I could have streamed it for free on Netflix. Yeah, I don't do that as much as my, my kids are the ones who are good about that. They, uh, I, I've trained them to Always check, and then and and they're also very good at not uh, not buying things from iTunes without asking me. So, but we'll wait till they get older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my kids are not so good about that. <laughs> but it's typically you know a a dollar twenty nine song or two now and then. So it hasn't been uh, a big issue yet. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you think? Is that a is that a solid episode? I think so. I think that's a, a fair day's work for Mr. DNS. Yeah. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. And we really do need your questions. I, I have to say, we had to, we had to kind of scrape. These were the only two questions in the bottom of the mailbag. So please do send us your questions at MrDNS, MRDNS, at ask-MrDNS.com. And the sooner you send us questions, the sooner we can get back on the air. Look, look at that. Do you see how I blame the listeners for our not being on? <laughs> for, for our tardiness. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.